Hey everybody, welcome, 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 welcome to this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast. My name is Ned Buskirk, your host for this Creatively Conscious Mortality audio experience. <laughs> um, nestle in here, settle down in your bones, in your saggy skin bag. <laughs> uh, I am wanting to laugh more, honestly. I do enough grief facilitation, space for death and dying. I am wanting to have a little fun. In fact, if you follow me on social media, our organization, at You're Going to Die, pretty much Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all at You're Going to Die, two usually spelled with the number two. But if you do follow us and me on on Instagram especially, I'm just trying to lean in a little bit more to the light side. And I make a prayer for that more and have recently at a medicine ceremony where I, I ask for more happiness and joy and that I will be someone who makes room for grief and the dark parts of being mortal and through that doorway finds more aliveness and happiness and laughter and joy than I've ever had before. That's, that's what I'm trusting about what I do. And that I want to come back and say, hey, you you actually could laugh a lot more than ever if you made room for your grief. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm doing. So these little posts I'm doing on Instagram and my little reels, just being playful again a little more than than I have been and, and like I used to be. And also still just doing it head on, laughing in the face of death. No, laughing with death. Wanting to just hold its hand and, and run through a field together, giggling. Uh, and this episode lands right in the midst of that. It's perfectly timed because I do feel like the last few weeks, even though I recorded this before that, Alec gave me a lot of laughter and does with his creativity in the world. So I'm going to like hurry it up here and get to that. You should follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, of course, but you can find us on Instagram at at Y-E-R going number two die at Y-E-R-G-O-I-N-G number two D-I-E. And again, of course, all this stuff I'll put into the show notes. You don't have to listen and type it out letter for letter, number for number, symbol for symbol, just acknowledging all the kinds of things you might need to type. I'll link it. I'll link our Instagram in, in the show notes. But any who trying to laugh more, trying to have fun more with this stuff, because there's plenty of room already made for the, the darkness. And Alec gave me both for sure. But I follow Alec on Instagram and have for a while because his cartoons and, and drawings and storylines there and humor there make my life lighter. They make me laugh. And also are often right in the midst of the dark shit. Excuse my language. And so real happy to have him on the show for all these reasons right now. Just perfectly placed right as the veil is thinning into the end of the year. Wanting to also make room for some celebration and joy and laughter. Alec does it right. He is a cartoonist. And a comedian, born and raised in New York City. He draws comics online about depression, anxiety, horror movies, horror movies, <laughs> and other things. And right now he's working and has been working on a fake Batman comic about how Batman should just stop beating people up. And by the way, I love his humor in that way too because it deals with politics and some of the injustices we experience in the world. And also, Alec is is kindred spirit for me, 
because boy, do we like to have the nighttime escape in our multimedia often, uh, often, ew, it's hard to admit it. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time to admit it. You've heard me say it before, the action, the, the violent media. Uh, I, I'm working on it. I don't know. I don't know if I ever want to stop, but I, I find it as a refuge, as a place to, I think I describe in the conversation with Alec, a version of like letting me have something that kind of turns off all the things I want to rest and let something else take over. I know it's complicated. It's complicated, but whatever. Alec and I really met in that place too, among other places. So I hope you meet us here in this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Alec McDonald, or AKA Alec with Pen. I mean, this has been my central conflict in my life, right? Is, is, you know, I want to participate in my life. I have, you know, beliefs, I have ambitions, I have uh, a need to uh, express myself. Um, Another way of saying that is I I have a need for attention. I'm going to say a lot of things in a rude way to myself, which (laughs) I at once mean and understand that like, it's also my de facto like, yes, understanding of myself is that I'm bad, but I know, I also know I'm not bad. I can relate to that. But, uh, so, you know, I have all these, these, you know, this coping mechanism, uh, you know, civilization in my mind constantly working to like allow myself to do the things I care about. Um, and and in the, in the moments between my impulses to avoid, to, to numb out, to, um, you know, people please to retreat and isolate. Mm. Um, and I have all different techniques to do all those things that yeah. aren't extremely obvious. Uh, oh, that's, I mean, that's their point. They're supposed to be hidden in a lot of ways. Um, but I do all that so that I can have like a few, you know, so I can make my work right. Or, or, you know, have a few moments where I'm, I'm more genuine or I can, you know, maintain a relationship, you know, uh, which I'm in, I'm in a very nice relationship and it's surprising to me. Um, (laughs) but I spend a lot of my time sort of recharging, I think. And it's something I really wish I didn't have to do, but it seems like I do. Like Mm. you say you watch like terrible action movies to, to numb out. Like I, I definitely do that, but I've gotten so much deeper into like stupid sh- shit. Like I watch like video game streamers playing yes. Call of Duty like <laughs> hours a day. I play and also like what, is that like I play meditative? Call of Duty like what is that? Do you play Call? Okay, cool. Honestly, you play Call I, of Duty. Yeah. I, I do play Call of Duty, and I during the pandemic I started playing it, and um, it's actually like the one thing where I can like really shut down hmm. my mind because when I'm watching TV, I'm I d- I draw or I take little notes or something like it's always the, right. I'm always doing Going. two things at once in that way. Uh-huh. I feel like if I'm, if I'm just like reading a book, sitting down and reading a book, I'm like wasting time. It's like a craziest thing. Cause I'm, then I also shit myself. I'm like, you should just sit and read. So I listen to audio b- books while I draw or mm-hmm. I work on my projects or whatever. Like I can't let myself rest. And the only way, one of the only ways I can let myself rest is by literally napping. Like I often just like have to pass out for like an hour and a half in the day. Um, or by playing video games, uh, in which I get really competitive, right? Cause Call of Duty is a, God, I can't believe I'm talking about Call of Duty. I love that. Anyway. That's what you're talking about. It's just so, so, so green light. Well, I, okay. Cause it's like, it's like, so it's, it's such a hyper masculine space. I mean, it's literally about shooting people, mm-hmm. all the people, not all the people, but a lot of people that play it and like the, the, the people you hear are like total fucking assholes. Because uh, <laughs> you'll be like, on a, just to be clear for those people that haven't played it, like you'll go online, right? You'll hear people yeah, talking. You go There's online, people all, wherever in the world yeah. like yelling at you and yeah. Exactly. And and it's, and you're like going head to head against people and it's really competitive and I, um, and it's what I do in order to like calm down. That, I, that's what I, I want to acknowledge that. Cause you said like, it gives you ease. And I think I'm so, I think even we're trained to be like, we were numbing out, you know, like, I feel like that's someone else's 
talking about what we're doing. And, and mm. I know that that's not true. I know that like, that especially I even feeling, I'm, I am reading a book right now, <laughs> miraculously, and, and really like up until my master's program, I was reading all the time and I feel like I just read the hell out of my ability to read. And so I just stopped for a lot of years, but I do find it difficult to really like let myself fully be with the book. And even last night, I'm thinking about that while I'm trying to read this book that I really do love. Um, but I could tell as I was reading, I was like, I know really what I need right now is to watch this, that documentary series and that mm -hmm. there's, it's not a numbing out for me. I think you're helping me articulate this. It isn't numbing out. Maybe it is some kind of like, just give yourself something that lets, that needs all of you or, or yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's it. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. That's what I hear when you describe it. Well, it yeah, exactly. Cause I think that I don't know, for an anxious, an anxious mind, um, you, you can like almost relax while doing something, but mm -hmm. it's still, you're still rapidly cycling through, yeah. you know, whatever the Rolodex is of your, of your like daily thoughts and life's and life and needs and, uh, fears and yeah. you know, desires. But when you're actually focused on something, whether it's extremely dramatic or whether like, doc, like you mentioned documentaries, I think documentaries have a very specific, they're very satisfying in a specific way. Um, that, that is different from like, um, a dramatic movie or something because they, they guide you through it. Mm -hmm. So straightforwardly, mm -hmm. they're like, this happened, then this happened, yeah. then here we are. And then here's a real moment. Here's a video of a real moment. And like, you can witness it. And it's yeah. like reality TV has that same sort of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be a lot more restful, uh, I guess. I mean, of course, throughout all of this, like my insides are squirming. I'm like, you went on a podcast to talk about all the, well, like, uh, <laughs> All the video games you play. But I think, and, it gives, uh, <laughs> I think it gives it gives us a chance, though, and I hope that someone's listening. I'm fine if any of you out there want to email us and be like, you guys, you're a part of the violence culture in America. Like, it's okay. I'm down yeah. to be called out on all that. But what I'm feeling more of is that, and I do mean that. It's like, fine, like, let me say the thing so that I can be called out. I've been talking about loving action movies uh, you mm -hmm. know, as long as I've been doing the events, like when I'd get up crying in front of people about my mom's death, I would talk about like Tom Cruise's new action movie too, you know? And, and as kind of a yeah. funny, like a humorous accent, uh, in contrast to the dark grieving hard shit. And so I think I want to say that we're getting to have this because maybe it, it, I mean, at least for me personally, I did get suddenly a realization. It's like, I'm not numbing out. You know, like mm -hmm. that's not actually what's happening. There is something that I need that's occurring. And okay, I can always keep checking on that and find a time in my life where I really am like, you know what? I don't want any more of those movies. They don't have a place. They're not serving me in the same way. But for sure, in contrast to all the other stuff I'm doing, what I'm getting like articulated here with you is like, it's a, it is a need. And maybe in some way there is something healthy about me making time for that stuff and just get to say so. And it's hilarious that yeah. we're talking so much about well, action movies and Call of Duty. <laughs> well, in my mind, it's like, and this is also a very toxic thought I have, um, uh, which is that I'll think to myself, I'm like, look, it's okay that you spend so much, and this is the kind of calculus that is really unhealthy, I think, but I do it a lot. It's like, it's okay that you spend so much time uh, you know, whether it's playing video games, watching video games, watching like just like a TV show that you like actively don't like, um, which mm -hmm. I'll do a lot. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll watch like uh, the show Bones, which again, more violence. Right. Uh -huh. But it's a it's a detective show where they this very gruesome, but it's also like sort of cheerful. It's very strange. It's really bad. And half the pleasure I get in it is like, that oh, my is. God, how funny it is yeah. that this is so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the calculus I do is like, okay, you do all that, but, and somehow I'm like, but it makes you uh, draw more. It makes you work more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you're more productive. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm like, as long as I'm productive, as long as I um, am in that way, like creatively producing stuff, uh, then any choice I've made in my life is okay, yeah. <laughs> which is like, I don't, you know, of course I don't believe that, but it's, it's this, it's this toxic thought that I've had, even since I was a kid, it's like, you know, in a way my work can be, can be me and my actual self, 
I can put that person in in danger or or let him run fallow or like, you know, as long as like um, I, I've like outsourced my soul yeah. to like my work. But it, which is such a funny, uh, such a funny idea, because some of my work is so silly, you know, I uh, it can be so goofy. It, yeah. And, but also like that kind of accent on totally relatable. I mean, I feel like it's a version of the you're going to die thing when suddenly I start doing this thing. You're kind of like, this is for me. It's definitely me. And then suddenly you have this, like for you, 250,000 followers on Instagram who's like, they're like, oh, I see myself there. Or, you know. Well, yeah. So I can tell you my my whole whole origin story of drawing. Uh, I always drew, I was super into uh, anime specifically. Mm. Um, and manga. So I, I used to draw like that. Um, and this is like, you know, this is before, I mean, Dragon Ball Z was a thing yeah. in, in America, but then I got into like, I would like go to this, um, this like, uh, store in Chinatown that was called Octopus's Garden, which was like, a, just like a, it was a closet basically. I don't even know how I found it. Um, Where is this? But they sold, this is in New York City okay, where I grew it. up. Yeah, yeah. And they sold, uh, like pirated, uh, DVDs and VHS tapes of anime that wasn't in America yet. Mm -hmm. And I would go there and I would like pick this up and it was like very much a place of shelter for me. Mm -hmm. These, these like, Oh, I'm, I'm imagining, I mean, it's like a whole different culture that I felt like I, you know, fit in better with. I think a lot of like you know, little white boys uh, like have had that moment um, yeah. where they fetishize Japan to in order to feel better about their <laughs> sense of inadequacy. When you're a young, you know, cis white hetero boy, you're told basically by everyone that you encounter that like you're the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, whether it's implicitly or otherwise, you know, right. every message you get is like you uh you're number one and whatever which is often the the direct messaging that i was getting from like my parents who would tell me that i was like from mars because i was so like i was good at skiing or something i don't know whatever because um, there's a lot of snow on mars and so like when you're i think a lot of like uh, like i think that kind of you it's very infantilizing you know because you're you have to live up to Mm. that um as you grow up, you, you kind of are stunted. You're like, I'm the best. Like what a little kid's notion, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, and yet you get these like adult, they grew up into adult white cis hetero men. And they're like, I'm the best. And if you say that these institutions that, you know, um, enforce that are wrong, I'm going to, my identity is going to crumble like a little kid's Mm -hmm. would, you know? And then I'm going to like, you know, try to gather as many people just like me and get really mean about it. And, punish everyone for making me feel this way. And I I love the way you frame that though. Like, you know, there is this hope I have because of the part of me that does feel like unworthy or a failure. And and it's true. Like I, I, I do relate to you describing that part of your experience and this, this idea that, you know, maybe there's parts of my life can sort of (laughs) feed and make room for that, like broken individual, uh, who can't heal or is stuck in whatever part of my past and then have these other places in my life where I'm pouring and, and super active, you know, creatively mm-hmm. with community, even, you know, also like sharing generously, listening, holding space. And that somehow there's like a relation between the two that's making it all balance, uh, somehow, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the community element of it, I'm so um, I'm so like envious of when you when you've when you've been talking about that because mm-hmm. I feel that that's that's the difference maker when you're making making art I think yeah. because a lot of making art you or whatever you're doing um, you do it alone and then you show it to somebody or you don't yes. right but if you have community where things are kind of bouncing back and forth that's something that I've always really really wanted and like kind of uh not had but also like kind of avoided mm-hmm. i think instinctually even i went to uh graduate school for fiction writing um before i started drawing comics oh wow okay yeah that's part of my origin story too uh yeah i wanted to be a writer before i drew stuff um and even there i would like 
it was just my instinct to, you know, I'd participate in class. I'd, I'd, I made a couple friends, but then I also just like the second class was over. I, I took the train back to the city. I went to Sarah Lawrence and I would commute and everyone else would like get together and like share shit. And I would just be like, okay, I'm out, yeah. you know? Um, it was just, it's my instinct. And it's something I've always wanted to, to have more of a, is, is a community. Yeah. Even like in the, you know, I'm in the comedy community as well, or I, I, you know, I, I do, comedy work um but uh i've always been like oh i can't be a part of that community Mm. because they all seem they all seem uh, like they'll know i'm not i'm not meant to be there or something like that so when you talk about having these communities where you hold space for people i think that makes the process of art making feel you feel the connections that are being made you don't have to have faith just have faith in them which is what i have i'm like I'm working on this and I have faith that it, it has meaning mm-hmm. that it's important, mm-hmm. but instead you're having these things bounce around um, and you're feeling like sort of the echo of it all. And it's, it's making like um, a lovely sound, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like that as the sort of end to your point, you know, or the cap on the other piece. Cause I do, I do like also with my musician friends, I've, I've told some of them before, you know, I, you know, I, I have like, maybe talent around drawing, let's say, or some kind of art, but I've, I've just, and similarly, I wouldn't say I feel as much for myself with music. And by the way, like I'm, I'm not comparing myself to any level of, of how, how wonderful you are at your work. And I'm just saying there's like, I did, how dare you? I just, (laughs) I digress. Um, no, but that I did a lot of drawing when I was little. And then there's, there's this way that I, even on you're going to die for quite a few years, I would be doing memes and posts in the early years of kind of building the online community, uh, these drawings, but, but also with music, it's this, like, I have a guitar, I have a banjo, but like the lonely arts is like the way, the way I categorize these things, these ways that we have to spend so many hours by ourselves to make progress or create something wonderful um, or meaningful, even if it's just to ourselves. And so hearing you describe that, like I I get that part of, of the work for you. Well, yeah, I think it's uh, not only do we have to spend time alone. I think that's like, we get to, I think that for me, like that feels good, you know, and it is, it is very isolating and stuff, but that's also like kind of the point in, in a way. I mean, I've always wanted to play, music. I can't play music at all. Um, a lot of my friends are musicians and I'm so, I'm so, uh, jealous. It seems like such a great thing. I think everything I do in life is, is, is me, um, <laughs> like grass you know, is greener. trying to make up for the fact that I don't, yeah, that I can't play, play tunes. Um, I, hey, I, I'm sorry. I keep, I keep saying like, I relate to that. I relate to that, but there is this, like, I've just surrounded myself with all these people that I wish I could play music as good as them. Um, well, I have these fantasies of like, you know, like I'll just picture myself like, man, I'd make amazing music. Man, I'd be, yeah. a, I'd be, I'd be, I'd write such oh, good lyrics. Yeah, I mean, you know? I sing so good like, alone in the car or t- the shower. Oh man, it's like, <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? You can't just. That's like, that's like three steps into a fantasy when you haven't even done step yeah, one. Yeah. Like you can just like say like Practice. I'd write amazing music. I have no idea. Yeah. What like what are you? It's like to write an amazing song. Yeah. Like I, I just I'm just a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about drawing, that's that feels different because I I think that everyone should just do it. Yeah. Like drawing is like it's this. It's a very basic thing that lets you translate something that everyone works on constantly, mm. which is. Uh, storytelling, um, expressing themselves, saying jokes or whatever. Like everyone's doing that in, in their regular life and just putting it on a piece of paper. Every, I, I think, I, I, I think everyone should get into it. Same thing with like writing stories. Everyone tells stories. Everyone should just be writing stories and they shouldn't be writing stories necessarily to make them amazing works of art. Just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. People should just, it's like, it, this is all, this is so fun. Yeah. Drawing comics is so fun. You get to see something you made um, and then it's done and it's there and you can like put it on, uh, you know, hand it to somebody if you want.
Hey everybody, this is podcast producer Nick Jana just reminding you that you have the ability to rate this podcast somewhere, I'm sure. I know Apple Podcasts allow you to do it. I'm sure other platforms do. Um, you could just write a number of stars on a piece of paper and put it in your window so that the mailman knows that you love this podcast. Whatever ways that you can do it. Even just texting this episode or your favorite episode to a friend, it does a world of good for us. Also, there is the Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash YG2G where you can throw in a few dollars just to make this podcast tenable and viable for longer. If you love it, just, uh, you know, I'm opening the door to some ways that you could uh, keep propagate it, keep it going. Um, there's a lot of other stuff in the world that gets a lot of money for doing bad stuff. We're doing good stuff. So, you know, think about a way that you could support us. Thank you. All right. So I asked Alec if he wouldn't mind sending us some version that we like to offer of his experience with maybe calm or a meditative place, considering this as your chance to just kind of settle down and, and drop into your presence of being while you're listening to a show about your eventual death, you know, so many so many ways this show might be confronting that also maybe we need to rest here a little bit and and offer you a little space to kind of breathe and slow down and not have to listen to a ton of talking the whole way through. And so I asked Alec if he would send us some, some audio of maybe a, a place in his life that's kind of meditative or peaceful or and wonderfully... Alex sent us the audio you're about to hear, and there's not more to say about it other than that it's perfect and also that it's scored by our producer, Nick Jaina, and also <laughs> that it connects to much of our conversation. Uh, one thing we talk about in it, uh, his inclination to playing Call of Duty and if you notice, the episode title is not called that. Did you notice that it's actually called The Call of Duty, which I think Alec is answering with his work creatively in the world? This is no homage to the video game, but we should nod with acknowledgement for its place in Alec's life. And so then, somehow woven throughout this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast, take a listen for yourself. So it's 2.30 in the morning, and my girlfriend Hannah is asleep, and has been since like 10, and I've been up playing Call of Duty for four hours. I bought this special controller so that I could do this, this thing called slide canceling, which makes you run faster in the video game. It's a sort of glitch that everyone who's super awesome at the game does and here this is this is the sound of me doing it I spend all my nights in total silence alone making this noise I've done it for three years in a row, every night. Just me and this noise. Circle, circle, X. Circle, circle, X. Circle, circle, X.
yeah, I was I was watching this show called Black Books, which is from by this uh, Irish comedian called uh, Dylan Moran or Dylan Moran. I forget how to pronounce his name, uh, which is very funny. But the main character and he works in a bookstore and he's very, um, very grouchy and he drinks wine and he smokes cigarettes. And in one episode, he he pops an Alka-Seltzer into a thing when he's hungover and he says he calls it his fuzzy feel good. And so, like, as a joke, I just started doing that. I mean, I don't, I was, I've never been like a big drinker. I mean, I, I drank uh, a fair amount, but compared to the people mm-hmm. that I've had in my life, um, the, the, a lot less. A lot of the times because I just mm-hmm. don't like the feeling of like feeling out of control. Um, yeah. And I'm scared of throwing up. So <laughs> I was always pretty moderate, but I loved cigarettes. Oh my God, cigarettes. I miss mm. them now. I think about them each day. Every dream I have, mm. I'm like trying to roll uh, a cigarette. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You roll them? Uh, I used to, I used to roll them. Yeah. Well, I had this whole yep. thing of like, I was trying to quit. So I started rolling them and then, uh, I would just end up smoking more. I just, they were the best because what they do is yes, they make when you're feeling like lonely and like sad or depressed, they make it kind of sexy, which is like mm-hmm. enough. That's it. If that's, if you, that's enough I and you'll be, a, it. yeah, I did it. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so uh, stress, you know, a life, I mean, I was, and so I was having these Alka-Seltzer and uh, Advil is actually really bad for your stomach lining. Um, mm-hmm. And I, uh, it was really the, mostly the stress of just like a whole life of, white knuckling depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. um, suddenly feeling, you know, when graduate school ended that I was like, okay, what do you do with your life? You're who knows. Um, and I got gastritis, which is an inflammation of the stomach. And then that led to me having this thing called SIBO, which is a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which basically means that my stomach is ass. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, can't totally eat anything. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I just like mm-hmm. had diarrhea four times a day, every day and like terrible stomach pains in which I would like my blood pressure would drop. And I'd like, uh, almost pass out on the subway. And it is very traumatic, wow. terrible, terrible yeah. time. Mm. But I was like, it, rev- it like opened my, all my coping mechanisms that I had my whole life, um, to deal with my, depression I have depression and and anxiety um and all of them stopped working because a lot of it was about feeling about being okay in my body you know having mm-hmm. when you when my stomach stopped working I I uh you know I was scared to eat I mean I did eat and I yeah. just like you just I, I was scared to like go out uh you know I had to you know, everything was breaking down the whole system. I couldn't deal with my relationship anymore. You know, like you're you saying you're like also not relating to your body. It's almost like this like foreign thing you're inside of that's not dependable or that suddenly broke or whatever. I was was sort of scariness of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was furious at my body and I just wanted to, Mm. to not have one. And I, you know, I lost a lot of, I was, I've always been a very skinny person and I like lost a lot of weight and I was, I felt like Mm. grotesque. Uh, and it basically made me have, like, I just like had, to, I, it was like a weird bottom in a way. Like I had to make changes to, you know, I spent every single night, uh, of this six year relationship. Um, I would just like sit at my, at this one counter, um, and watch TV and smoke cigarettes and, uh, just numb out for hours and hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be able to like cope with, you know, not really participating in my life. My friendships were, um, I had these like amazing friends that I was not open with in any way. I was like very shallow, just generally. I didn't really realize any of these things. Anyway, I lost my shit basically. And I just like, what I like hated my life. And I, you know, the depression hit me like a, like a ton of bricks because I finally could really see it. And it really like became you know, my coping mechanisms couldn't obscure it from my mind. So I went to therapy. I, I was so mm. f- like closed off that I couldn't even make my own appointment. My uh, girlfriend at the time, she made me the appointment and my therapist almost didn't take me because she was like, I don't know if you're ready for therapy. If like, you can't be the yes. one to do right. this. Like if you've, cause it seems like you haven't chosen to do this. It was like, maybe she chose to do it. And I think that really was the case. I was like, maybe even doing it to like please her, but I was in the room, you know, that first day. Yeah, you did get there, yeah. And I have to definitely thank her f- 
for, for that because it, mm. yeah, it changed my life. I had a, uh, this therapist who was really wonderful. I was a mess. I was like such a weirdo in these sessions. Like I started mm. dissociating so hard that I like couldn't even think straight. Um, just like joking all the time and, and stuff. But th- and now we get back to the drawing. She said she had this like thing. She was like, how about you try drawing yourself? Um, see what that's like. And I was like, okay, I'll try. That sounds fine. Um, and <laughs> like when she I knew did, you drew. she knew I drew because I would doodle a lot. I would doodle in class and I liked mm-hmm. drawing. I mean, I was always kind of into it. Um, and then I did it and I was like suddenly like so excited about it. I was, and I right just like, went crazy. Yeah. I just like, Oh, right away. Oh uh, my gosh. All right away. I got like, Oh, I love this. Yeah. I had like this one marker and these like notebooks that were, and I just like, cause I never, even when I drew a lot, I would never draw myself. I, I hated drawing myself or even like trying to draw myself because there's two things when you draw yourself that, uh, that uh, are, are problems for me. One is if you make yourself look too good, you seem like an asshole and you feel like an asshole. And uh, if you make yourself to look too bad, you feel like uh, a coward because you're like, yeah. oh, I just, I'm, you know, so um, at least that's, this is how I felt. It's kind of the same thing when you're writing in a diary. I couldn't, I could never write in a diary because I would always be trying to like impress the yes. person like one week from who then who would read this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all, all my entries <laughs> yeah. were just parentheticals oh, yeah. of being like, oh, I can't believe <laughs> yeah. I just wrote that. I'm Dear not reader. like that. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So I could never get anything done. But so when I started drawing myself though, I, I, I like actively was like, okay, find a version of yourself that you don't mind that, that feels like you. And I drew myself and stuff. And then I did this, like I accidentally like drew an eye weird. And so I blacked it out. Uh, once. Oh, wow. And then it's I was that like, early that this yeah, it was clear. like right away. And then I was wow. like, Oh, that's me. And I didn't really have any meaning for this blacked out. eye. uh, for, for the listeners of this podcast, I might in my cartoons, yeah. I have a blacked out eye. Um, and it's not a missing eye. It's like an eye that like is like filled with ink. That's how I picture it. And it's like my deform. It's like my mental deformity is, is how I think of myself. My, my illnesses, you know, my mental illnesses mm. there. Uh, and my traumas of growing up and stuff, it's a physical representation of that. Um, yeah. I also have a black eyebrow and that's specifically yeah, so people know that I'm not, not missing an eye. eye. Well, it's because yeah, I didn't want people, I didn't want to like appropriate I, I a missing eye thing, you know, because some people yeah. don't have an eye. Years uh, so of was, people just like, so tell me how you lost your eye. I know. Like, okay, people would black see the pictures of me and they're like, you have an eye. And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so then I start. I went. I went nuts. I mean, I was like, I broke my girlfriend. I like, mm. and I just spent, you know, all my time um, drawing in this one coffee shop. I mean, uh, I, f- I feel. Go, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish that thought. No, I just like went nuts with it, and uh, yeah. it felt so good, and. Mm. It mixed in with just generally the things I was learning about myself in therapy and how mm. good it feels to like actually have moments of uh, like, why, well, as Virginia Woolf would say, moments of being. I literally Ooh, couldn't think of any other version. Respir- I know, and I like. Uh, say it again. I, I, I wish we'll I did it. To this say part. It, but <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, everyone should remember that I also mentioned Call of Duty for a long time. So, yeah, this is good. Um, this is good. So, anyway, wait, tell, like, say the quote again. I cut you off. So I keep cutting you off. Say the I'm quote dis- again. I'm disgusted with myself. Okay. So, uh, how good it feels. Like, it feels like fucking amazing to, to actually participate in your life. To have, as Virginia Woolf would mm. say, moments of being. Um, mm. That didn't turn out so well yeah. for her, but. Uh, I hope it turns out well for me. She had um, moments of being. <laughs> she had, she had <laughs> moments. Um, but it just, it feels like I didn't really realize that it can feel good. Like, you know, when you're actually, mm-hmm. you know, communicating with somebody or being vulnerable, you're, you're, the color spectrum of your life just explodes and it feels incredible. You know, it's like, mm. it's, it's not just good for you. It's like, it's, it's like, it, it's it's just good. It's like flavorful food, you know. Mm. It's not it's not that like broccoli is gonna make you live longer. It's like this is this is broccoli wrapped in 
bacon. Well, that sounds terrible. I but. knew you were going to say that. <laughs> sounds great. I'm you super know. into it. <laughs> so I was just getting excited about life being good. And I think I quit smoking, mm. which also made me weird because then I was like dealing with my addictions. Uh, Other the ways. smoking came back, by the way. For uh, I started my antidepressants. For being I was honest. like, I'll do it again. Now I've quit again. So I think, you know, um, that helped. But I actually finally quit by just being too depressed. I just was like, I don't care. I'm done. That's why you stopped eventually again. <laughs> yeah. I just Your didn't depression. care about anything. I was like, yeah. I don't even Can't want even that. And then I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I have a question about that because I, I, maybe it's sort of a joke, but there's that sort of freeing ourselves in a way because stuff gets so dark. Um, somehow there is a letting go there that is some kind of place of rest or I don't know, I'll do my version of, of quoting somebody uh, famous, but I'm not going to do it good justice. It's a paraphrase, but I remember Jim Carrey talking about like the needed resting state of depression and that like maybe mm. you stop yeah. smoking in that resting state. Um, like there could be something healthy about that occurrence happening then. <clears throat> yeah, I think that Depression has always felt extremely restful to me. Um, mm -hmm. I there's there's two sort of flavors of it. For me, it's like either I have no interest in anything and I just like give up, and in giving up, I feel like that restfulness, or um, I feel like shit and I and I'm like miserable, and mm -hmm. uh, that's the active, more active depression, and that's yeah. like when things get you know really dark. But the other one yeah. feels more restful. You said that, um, I think you're just saying like, I went nuts. You're just kind of using that filler word to describe like when you broke up with your girlfriend after those six years and started mm. drawing a ton. You just mean you went out of control in that direction. But I did want to just like take a moment to sort of snapshot and make that that moment clearest so that, because yeah. for me, it's like you got like, I know healthy is not the right word or sane, but there, there was some level of that happening. Not, well, not, that's, not that, yeah, go ahead. No, that's, that's what was happening. It was like, I was, yeah. I was everything, every like sort of inauthentic way of that I'd set my life up to, to cope with a traumatic childhood and, and, and life. Um, those were falling apart and they were, cause they, they were not working anymore. They didn't suit me at all. And I was starting mm. to, to notice that, and um, so things were more breaking down, and I was getting better. But in the process yeah. of getting better, I was getting very messy. Um, mm -hmm. It just became such a bigger issue, <laughs> you know. Like uh, the end of my life seemed uh, bonus, a bonus fear to like just the general state of, you know, trying to maintain um, my own well being in and you know through my my struggles or whatever. Um, now, and I, I don't really know how to be focused about what I'm saying here. Cause I just want to go on to something else. <laughs> but, um, when you mentioned being like suicidalness, I've been suicidal one time, like actively, like, not that I wanted to kill myself. I just didn't yeah. care if I died. I mean, that's happened a lot kind of, but when I've been in really bad places, but it was like, it was more of like, oh, I should die. Like, it's good to die. Dying would, you know, it's it was the the pinnacle of it. And uh, was that the last thought you wanted? Because I feel like I kept cutting you off to get to the like. That's about that story, but I do want to talk about yeah. one thing regarding mortality, which is pets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't had many people that I really cared about in my life die. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yet, you know, yeah. here we, it's coming. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, my grandparents, they, they all died, uh, but they were old as, as dirt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but they were, it was, it was, it was a long time coming. And, and, um, I did get very sad when my, two of my grandparents died because I knew them quite well mm -hmm. and it was upsetting, but, you know, it was, um, I mean, they were like 95. So it was like, it was okay. Um, I had an uncle who, who died, uh, but um, it was okay. But I haven't had someone that's like really caused me grief. Uh, and so, I mean, maybe this is me trying to like coach the fact that I felt really sad and really, I've, I've grieved when I've, uh, when two of my cats have died. Uh, 
maybe me, maybe all of that was to be like, oh, don't worry, I'm not weird. I'm not just like talking about pets dying, and that's not like not, it's because it's not a big deal because I haven't had like the real thing. Um, who knows? But for me, uh, when I um, oh, I forgot to mention before my stomach thing and uh, my breakup and blah blah blah, my fucking cat died near there and this was my childhood cat her name was Minina M-I-N-I-N-A mm. um, and she was my pal like she was such an asshole I mean she's very cute and friendly and stuff but she meowed all the time I couldn't sleep ever uh, she was a huge issue and I loved her so much she was so hilarious mm. um, and she in a lot of ways like got me through my childhood she was my companion Yeah, um, we slept in the same bed every night uh, she got me up for the SATs. I was going to miss my alarm. I missed my alarm and she woke me up because she meowed in my face and stuff. Um, and she died. Mm. And I was inconsolable. Um, I, I couldn't handle it. Like, mm. I felt a tremendous sense of loss. Um, and I, I dreamt about her for years and I still dream about her. Um, and then recently, um, my sister had a cat and she gave uh, she my sister moved to Italy and she gave me the cat um which was a cat she'd had for a long time and this was like six years ago or something like that and so I took care of the cat and then me and this cat became like extremely close um and she's appeared a lot on my on my Instagram and uh I have a character in one of my series that's based on her uh the Character's name is Harold. Uh, it's a cat that does a lot of cocaine and yes. has a switchblade and yeah. is like yeah. one of my characters, Detective Man's like friend slash nemesis. Um, <laughs> and this was my best pal. Uh, and she she died like a year ago or something mm. like that, maybe. Um, and speaking of vulnerability, we were talking about earlier and how, you know, in my work, I try to be vulnerable. This cat was like all over my Instagram and she just va vanished. So this cat's name was Mew Mew, M-E-W-M-E-W. -E -W. Mm -hmm. Very cat-ish names mm -hmm. we've got. Mm -hmm. um, and I have not been able to bring myself to tell anyone online that she died. Mm. Like, I, I, it's like too much. It's like, um, you know, when I, I, you know, I like to think that I'm quite vulnerable in my comics about, about certain things, but this has always felt like too much. And a part of me is like, I wanted to honor her and what she meant to me by saying something about her and stuff. Yeah. But I just haven't been able to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been like a very difficult process. Yeah. And I've, uh, part of me feels embarrassed that it's about like a cat, you know, yeah, sure. but a part of me is also like very like militant about like, you know, reacting to myself and being like, it's my cat. Yeah, like right. she's my Good. special someone, yeah. you know? to say a lot of of gratitude things to Alec. <laughs> what? Hey, Nick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And action. Um, hey, it's just me, everybody. Um, before Nick joins, I just wanted to say um, <laughs> a lot of gratitude things um, for <laughs> Come on, Nick. I'm, okay, I love okay, that word. Okay. I'm it laughing is. out it's of new. joy. I'm going to do it. I know you are. I know you are. It's perfect. Um, 
gratitude. Yes, many gratitudal gratitudes to Alec for saying yes to this interview conversation. We'll call it a conversation. And for the way he makes me laugh and made me laugh in this conversation. And I also want to acknowledge if you haven't yet noticed that the artwork for once is not done by our usual um, artistic talent, Nick Jaina. Yeah, but Nick does all the all the artwork. Um, I'll allow that cheer for yourself. Um, but this, <laughs> but this time it was done by Alec, which just felt perfect. And I hope you notice these details that we think about and want to give out to you via this podcast medium. So thanks, Alec, for being down, for creating that, for giving of yourself into the episode. And y'all can s- especially follow Alec um, at Alec with Pen on Instagram. Of course, of course. Don't worry. I'll put a link in the show notes, everybody. And now let me open the door in my private room. <laughs> And welcome, Nick. And, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. yeah, dusty. That's in how here. little. Yeah, exactly. That's how little we laugh is when we're like uh, the penguin in Toy Story, the little wheezy one up on the shelf. Mm, mm-hmm. And now when I laugh, I, I cough also because some dusty caverns of the insides of me have been needing laughter to clear it all out. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you just got a little bit of that, Nick. What do you say? You've been laughing enough. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Good to be here. You ever played? Uh, you ever play Yay Boo with your kids? No. Can we do it right now? I feel like you'd be good at it. You just right. you say Yay if it's good, or and Boo if it's bad. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey Ned, you're gonna die. Ooh, that's complicated. Um. No, you do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a quiz. It's very obvious. Ooh. You no. Can I have both? It has to be one. No, just just <laughs> do it. Do it the right way. <laughs> well, I can't tell. I don't know if I want to boo it or yay it right now. Okay. Um. Yay. Hey, Ned, that you're saying yay to you're gonna die. Yes. <laughs> what now? You're. I answered you. I chose one, and now you're judging my choice. It's not supposed to be a choice. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not. Okay, okay. It's not supposed to be a choice. It's preordained. Go. Hey, Ned, life is short and you'll die someday. Boo. But you have a full autonomy to make all the choices you want. Yay. But you're stuck in a capitalist system that constricts those choices. (laughs) But all your friends are here. (laughs) But they're stuck in that system too. (laughs) I get it. There's a book uh, that I remember reading to the kids where the guy falls out of a parish. He falls out of a plane and it's supposed to be like a good thing happens. Yeah. yeah and then a bad. Oh, okay. It's like that. Wow. I just didn't get it at first, but you definitively need to go back and forth. That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. What a good yeah. practice. Nothing is making someone laugh more when they say, I get it. And they stop the thing. <laughs> That's when you know you're killing. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Let's move on. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I'm wanting to say that was really enjoyable. I'm going to say a big yay to that one. Thanks. You're Nick. the you're the opposite of Otis, my stepson. Who if <laughs> if you keep going with that, he'll just oh he'll forever. keep going. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Kids, my the, kids the way that, are the same way. The the whole like again aspect of kids. That's like mm-hmm. would they ever stop? <laughs> no, it's real. When you find a fun thing like swinging them around or something, and they're just yeah. like before you even stop the first rendition, you know, iteration yep. of it. Next, please. They're like, again. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't mean to communicate, but also as an adult, it is that. It is like, boy, I'm satisfied. <laughs> Moving on. I get it and, and stop. the kid is I'm like, tired. Oh, I will play soccer into the nighttime, okay? I don't care if there are lights or a sun. Um, I think as we get older, maybe there's a version of these things becoming fewer and far between. The stuff we'd say yes to over and over and over again. And what, I, Nick, what would you say <laughs> yes to over and over again if someone kept saying, we got to stop, and you were like, no, let's keep going. What's the thing in your life that you would do forever? Well, no, and, well the thing that happens with adulthood, I don't know when it comes, mm. uh, is... Uh, <laughs> ref- <laughs> what? No, we're not playing the game. No. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Boo. Um, is like... 
the I I almost enjoy it as much to reflect upon something, you know? Like mm-hmm. I, and I often find myself saying that to Otis of like, don't you want some time to just like think about oh, how great yeah. it was to laugh at that? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> no. I want to keep laughing. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of that like moon energy, reflective energy of mm. like I I I'm not saying it's as good as, but like there is something about just the period of time when you're good or bad, reflect on a thing of like wow, I'm glad that car didn't mm-hmm. hit us or like, oh God, we laughed a lot. That was fun. Remember five minutes ago when we laughed a lot, you know? That's great. And that quality gets kind of ridiculed a lot as as not living in the moment, but I th- that's also living in the moment in a way. Well, I mean, it feels that way to me. I mean, it's a great transition, by the way, you know, oh. just into this, like the thing is over. There's this part of us that that needs and wants maybe at least a chance, not just to be bummed that it's done, but to reflect on how great it was and that there's a specific kind of room for that, that we get to, that we can't have if we're actually still doing the thing. Yeah. And would you say that your thing you'd want to do forever and ever would be just reflecting on things? (laughs) No. Well, you'd run out of things. Yeah. Eventually. I think 2020 was the, (laughs) well, if you live till you're 90, you're, what are you halfway through right now? We could just reflect for the rest of our lives starting now. But like the last two years, 2020 and 2021, were like no more input of great experiences, just reflection. We used used up all our And then just going crazy of like, God, could I have enjoyed that moment a little bit more? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like 12 years ago. That's where it's like, can I stop reflecting? Because I might not have another one. And that's Mm -hmm. a that was a treasured moment. And now I'm like running the uh, uh, vinyl record needle over it too many times and it's like wearing out the memory because yeah. I'm like, reflecting on it too much. Ooh, yes. A lot happened in the last three years, like what you're describing or many versions yeah. of it, right? That you're like, and you've never happened. had a chance to do that before and pray God we maybe don't ever have to do it again. Um, yeah. But but that, yeah, the uniqueness of that stretch of time that we just spent it doing that thoughtful thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. And now I find myself sometimes reflecting upon that time in which I was like absolutely overstressed, like all of us, on the verge of nervous breakdown, overstressed, depressed, you know, crying at night. There are moments where that I find I'm just like, wow, it was nice when there was like nothing on the schedule and we just <laughs> yeah. like hung out and played board games all the time. Oh, like- totally. <laughs> yeah, I was getting on the, the, we started our grief and healing workshop for October. We did one session last week. There's three more to go, but there's this feeling I had getting on there that connects to what you're sharing a little bit where there was a, a little bit of, it was a mix, it's mixed. It's definitively mixed. It's like, ooh, this feels sort of uncomfortable, familiar in that way. Um, like it was when we started doing everything online. And I missed that we did this stuff online all the time. Uh, like I missed something about that. That's what I did for two years straight is yeah. only do these things online. Um, <clears throat> and it's all mixed in together now because we don't and, need to do the, we don't need to do the workshops in online anymore in the way we needed to before. Um, but so the community like a, who comes, I imagine is not all right. In you're the same right. location. There is a way that it's needed in that regard, that we're still connecting to community that we've actually met during the pandemic, you know, years of of community that we connected to doing the online open mic and the online grief workshops. Um, yeah. But now there's this contrast between we're back on the online grief and healing workshop and we're doing in-person workshops, which we'd never done before the pandemic and just feeling the like comparing those two spaces um, and how kind of wonderful they both are in their unique ways. Cause, cause the, the online workshop definitely, I mean, I almost can't imagine not being able to do it, <clears throat> which feels kind of more freeing and empowering. Cause I don't, we don't really have to like we needed to. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't have to do just things that you have to do. <laughs> Right. Wow. Uh, everybody want to, you want to write that one down, you guys <laughs> want to leave you with that, <laughs> leave you with that nugget. Say that one again, Nick. You don't have to do just the things that you have to do. Yeah. I, I added to it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Wow. Wait, what's the difference between the two? I'm just reflecting on you saying that and I'm just, wow. I can't tell if you're making great. fun of me or. No, I'm just, I'm just having. <laughs> Does All it make right. sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't have to do the things that you have to do. You can do other things. You don't have to only do the things that you have to do. Right, 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 right. But you have to do the things you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it. But you, <laughs> of the things that you are doing, 
some of some percentage of those can be yeah things that you're doing because they're just kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Keep explaining it. <laughs> I think we're getting closer to what you meant. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody, let's just take a minute to reflect on Nick saying those things. Um, I want to give everybody a chance to write it all down. Nick, the episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast is coming to an end. <laughs> okay. No, you're sp- we're playing the yay boo game. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I blew it. Um, Nick, the episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast that we're, we're in right now is coming to an end. Yay. Hey, wait, do you have to start with yay? I really, the setup was a boo. God. Oh, I thought we were glad that we're done with it. No. Oh, okay. well, now I'm starting to feel that okay. way. Yeah. Okay. I do it again. Yeah. Okay. No, I wish okay. I could be Third here Third try, everybody. Um, Nick, uh, you're going to die. The podcast, the episode we're working on is yeah. coming to an end. Boo. But it's going to give us time right after we're done to reflect on how wonderful it is. Yay. But then we're going to have to figure out what the damn next episode is, which is a constant stress. Boo. (laughs) But we're going to have to work together again. And what a gift that is. (laughs) Nick Chena and all of you, a bunch of gifts, your little ear canals wrapped in bows. Thank you so much for letting us open your little gift of your ears. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Yay. <laughs> oh yeah, that was long. That was supposed to be like a quick Yay. rhythm intense <laughs> silly game and you I'm turned it learning, into like man, you just a, taught me. <laughs> inspiring speech. <laughs> Yay. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye.